0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of boxing for the last 23 years on ESPN, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. Um, did your barber just leave? <laughs> Rob cut my you hair. You get a
1: haircut. How often? No, your hair looks great. It looks <laughs> tremendous. It does. And um, you look tremendous. Every three weeks, maybe? Uh, no, come on. <laughs> I was going to say like every yeah, every, yeah, I don't know, 12 hours? I mean, really? Do you have somebody there that, like, you know, comes yeah. in and tweaks
0: it? You know, just gives it a Robs. Robs it. Rob styles it and puts in some just for men on the yeah. sides. It
1: looks good. I mean, it looks good. <laughs> it really does. It looks tremendous. And um I was just wondering if we could give a plug to
0: your barber. If he's, if is he off site there? Is he on the? Uh, off camera west west side barber company brandon craven in santa monica go see him he'll take real good care of you there it is
1: there it is that should <laughs> keep you in uh free haircuts for at least another six months maybe well no no maybe not that long.
0: before we get into things i want to i i mentioned in the intro there the that you were the voice of boxing for 23 years for those who uh miss hearing your voice they can tune into some of the most recent fights to hear uh, Tim Bradley parroting the majority of your uh, material and repertoire. The least that he could do, I think, is footnote you on some of his quotes when he's using some of your material. And to the layman, they may not recognize some of it, but to someone who's been around you in camp and listened to you for the last 23 years on ESPN, it's almost a, he's almost like a dead ringer for, uh, for, listen, for you as an announcer. I'm wondering if uh, other people have pointed this out to you. I've heard it. I've heard it. Um, <laughs> so, it seems to get stronger and stronger as the weeks go by, and uh, I like Tim Bradley the person, but geez, like he's got to kind of adopt his own personality there on air. it's
1: that old saying the greatest uh,
0: compliment is uh, somebody imitating you? The greatest form, of, the greatest form of flattery is uh, imitation. Oh, well, you should take it as a compliment. Yes, yes i do <laughs> i do well there hasn't been a ton to talk about in boxing recently you know there's been a few a sides busy against opponents but um there's a good card coming up on showtime and i wanted to get your thoughts the two Charlo brothers in action one of them uh Jamel's fighting uh rose jason rosario and jamal is fighting uh sergey derevianchenko and um I think that's a really exciting card, especially considering the COVID and what we've been given for uh, boxing matchups in the past few months. But I'm, I'm not too excited about a $75 price ta- price tag on a fight that probably should be free on Fox or um, Showtime. But uh, I want to get your thoughts on the matchups first. We can talk about the pay-per-view price tag uh, after we discuss the matchups. But what do you think on that card?
1: I agree with you 100%. First of all, and um i'll just add one other problem for that 75 dollar card on pay-per-view it's the same night as a ufc card
0: ah good point that's right not not too smart (laughs) not and not not just a pay not just a ufc but a ufc pay-per-view with Arasanya against paulo costa and that's a fight that i'll be honest with you i love boxing it's always my go-to but I'm watching UFC and I'll watch the rerun of the of the boxing because to me that's a much more compelling card from top to bottom.
1: Yeah, and the UFC has more momentum going right now. They have more trust, you know. They've they have uh they've you know, they've they have more currency, I think, right now with the fans. They've earned it. They came back before boxing and they've been given good matches where boxing has not been good giving good man, I think that's a nice solid card, the Charlo brothers. Uh, I'm kind of repeating what you said. Uh, but it's, it's not worth 75, and it's up against the UFC, which has really earned the trust, I'll say it again, of the audience. And I think that trust is going to equate into people going over there rather than going to the boxing, to be quite frank. Uh, as far as the... As far as the cards, the fights, I saw with the junior middleweight Charlo version. Uh, I thought that in Charlo's last fight with Tony Harrison, he was losing going into the 11th round when he got to KO. Give him all the credit in the world for that. And I thought he was being outfought on the inside by Harrison, who's usually the guy who's better suited to fight on the outside. Uh, but Harrison was doing a tremendous job having success in that fight and he stayed there a little too long in the end and Charlo was able to do what he had to do at least in my mind he had to knock him out to win the fight he had to hurt him badly at least and he did and he got the opportunity and he grabbed it but he's fighting Rosario who's you know, we we saw him go in there in his last fight and as a big underdog with Julian Williams. And let's remember that Williams had just won a title, you know. And he had upset Hurd. He had just won a title. And here comes Rosario, an underdog, supposed to be a good defense for for Williams. And... Rosario just dominates, dominates. I mean, takes him apart. And it makes me think about this fight with Charlo now. Rosario had a lot of success, obviously, on the inside with Julian Williams. He just went at him and took him apart. Off of what I just said about Harrison surprisingly having so much success in the wheelhouse, what's supposed to be the wheelhouse of Charlo, strong guy, technically pretty solid, Um, likes to bring it to you, uses physicality, fight on the inside, right? I mean, he'll fight, you know, at a little length, but for the most part, he likes to be aggressive. And if Harrison had success on the inside with him, which, again, was a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people, Rosario can have success. So that's the one way of looking at it. The other way I have to say is I question, and I think this is probably the key, Ken, to what kind of fight it is and what kind of challenge it is, or it winds up being for Charlo, is that was what we saw from Rosario against Williams winning that title Was that what we can expect to continue seeing? Or was it him just fighting above himself? Fighting a fight that he had never fought at that way or that level or shown that level before. And it happens. It happens. And he showed up for the title, his moment, to change his life. And he fought the best fight he ever fought and he fought a fight that maybe he'd never fight again. I mean, we don't have a consistent track record on him because this is a guy who has been stopped once in his career. um, And he also has a draw in Rosario. So again, I think it's a very fair question. Did we see what we can expect to continue to see from Rosario or on that night, was he just fighting a fight that he will never replicate? Was he
0: just fighting outside of himself in a in a great way? Um, let, let me ask you one quick question. You, you're right about Rosario. He looked awesome against J-Rock, who we know is a good fighter and can bring it. But Rosario's got a, a, a loss against a guy I've never heard of and a, and a draw against a guy I've never heard of. I think the guy
1: who... Well, that's what I just
0: said. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to get your thoughts like what do you think there? Do you think he's like um, the kind of guy who just gets up for the big fights, maybe doesn't show up in shape for others? I don't know a ton about Rosario, but it's- They're all
1: big. And and, in his world, they're all big. So I understand what you're saying, but that's the point I'm making. Did Did we get a fair look and estimation and feel for what, Rosario is, or did he just fight the fight of his life and we're never gonna see it again? So, and also was Williams, Julian Williams, a little overrated? Where, and I don't want to knock the guy at all. I like the guy, I like him a lot as a human being too, and what he did in beating herd as an underdog. But did he overlook Rosario? Uh, you know, did he have an off night and get caught and never got a chance to get into the fight, getting caught early, uh, getting blitzed, if you will, um, in that fight. Or was Williams just, you know, that night against Hurt. the same thing. Was it his night and not really indicative that he's at the next level that we sometimes think of when a guy's got a title. Um, you know, and Rosario had a good spot to get a title by fighting him, because of what I'm saying. Or was Hurd. Listen, everyone gave him a lot of credit for beating Hurd, and he deserves that. Hurd's a big, strong, physical guy. But he's not the hardest guy to hit. He's not the most sophisticated guy, the most developed guy uh, in the game of boxing. He's a guy right in front of you. He's a guy who's predictable. And Rosario, on that night, Julian... uh, Williams did a tremendous job of mixing it up, a little inside, a little outside, you know? So, again, I think that it's going to be an interesting fight. I like the fight. It's going to be interesting to see if Rosario, we know Charlo, his track record is, is there. You know, he's consistent with what he is. He is what he is. We're not sure what we're going to get out of Rosario, and that's what's going to be interesting. Um, At the end of the day, I think that it's a good, entertaining fight. As I said, based on the styles, I think they both like to engage. Uh, Harris, who's uh, not known as an inside fighter, was beating Charlo, as I said, uh, in the trenches. Can Rosario do the same thing? The outcome can. I think Charlo's definitely beatable, but he's a solid physical Strong guy who's probably got less holes or gaps in his style than Rosario. And he's, he's been more consistent. You know, again, we, we know what his body of work has been. He's been more steadier. And so I'm going to go with him by unanimous decision or late-round stoppage. But it, again in a very interesting fight but i'll go with charlo
0: the uh i heard that i heard j-rock and breadman his trainer stephen Breadman Edwards, before that fight talking about rosario and they had wanted to bring rosario in as a sparring partner or someone had suggested and julian said no no we're not going to spar him we're going to eventually fight that kid is good I don't want him here sparring with me because we're headed for a fight. This is like months, maybe a year before they fought. So then they did match up. So they knew Rosario was a problem, enough so that they didn't want him in camp with them. But um, to your point, the line reflects that question mark about Rosario and his his record because Charlo is a minus 400 favorite to plus 300 on Rosario. At that kind of line, I agree with you that Charlo probably should win this fight, but I think at plus 300, I'd take a flyer on Rosario. I think that he could, I could see Rosario winning this fight, although I think Charlo wins it, but, you know, and if you want to make a bet and if you want to take that uh pick, Take advantage of that line. You can check out my bookie. Check them out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Atlas A T L A S for a hundred percent credit on your first deposit. So you deposit a thousand, they'll give you an extra thousand to play with, in honor of the NFL season. And we'll come back to my bookie later in the show. But um, interesting thoughts there, Teddy. Oh, well, you
1: left out one pod. What is it? That um, if you hit the parlay, you get
0: a a trim from Ken's barber right <laughs> if you could pick the parlay of the two winners in the charlo derechenko and charlo rosario fight we'll work out a deal for you i'm sure he'll do like a 20 percent off coupon code or something at the west side barber company brandon craven uh so in the in the other matchup we've got the other charlo brother and i'm always going to confuse the first names because they're so similar but charlo versus derevianchenko that to me is a real 50-50 fight, and the line reflects it. Charlo at minus 135, Derevianchenko at plus 105. derevianchenko has been in there with some killers and looked really good against Danny Jacobs. He looked good against Triple G. This is a real test for Charlo, probably the toughest test he may have had. Let me check out his record, but I think this is one of the toughest fights he's, he's had. No, it is. Guys, just want to take a quick pause to give a shout out to today's sponsor, MyBookie. They've been with us for a long time. Check them out at MyBookie.ag. Sports, including the NFL, are now back, and MyBookie has returned with its winning season. Winning season means watching all live sports and betting live sports all season long. With the NFL back, that means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes at mybookie.ag. Get in on the action and use our promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, and double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. So deposit $1,000, they'll match that and give you an additional $1,000 to play with when you open your new account. Again, use the promo code ATLAS and double your first deposit. Have fun, enjoy the games, and please bet responsibly.
1: I agree. I mean, some people... Some people, um, they might point to Austin Trout, but Trout was older and quite frankly was used up a little shop one when Charlo fought him. Charlo was too
0: 32 big. pro fights for Trout, yeah.
1: Charlo was too young and strong, uh, for Trout, and it was actually a good style matchup for Trout. Uh, uh but Trout was the best guy he had fought as far as you know, name and. And resume. But, and he beat Julian Williams. Yeah, but right now, yes. But right now, he caught Williams. He just caught him with a really clean shot. Yep. But right now, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Darren Vincenko is the best fighter that Charlo has fought. And Charlo's been a champion for a little while now. So that's that's a little bit of a statement. But also, just to make it clear to our fans, Jamal Charlo is the middleweight and Jamel is the junior middleweight. So we're talking about Jamal the middleweight right now. Again, I think come on, listen, we cover everything in boxing. Uh, We don't come to promote a show for anybody. We come to break the show down to say if it's good, it's not good, what we think. And it's our opinion obviously. And I think that it's a good, solid fight. Again, um, a nice fight that I'd like to see, Charlo uh, and Devin uh for the middleweight title. Devin has shown his worth. Uh, I thought, really, that technically he probably beat Triple G in his last fight. Both these guys are coming off a layoff. Everybody's coming off a layoff nowadays with the COVID going on. But uh, for Charlo, it'll be about a year. I think it'll be about 11 months for Derevon But I thought technically he'd probably beat Golovkin. But I could
0: see given... I thought a, he also beat Jacobs. That I didn't think he beat Jacobs. I didn't think he'd beat Jacobs. But... He got a split decision on Jacobs and unanimous against Triple G just for the record. But I
1: think what mattered in that fight is that he showed he belongs. He showed he belongs at the, at the top of uh, the class in middleweights and that he can handle any of them. You know, he can fit in with any of them. So yep. with Golovkin, uh, Golovkin landed probably the harder punches and he showed so much heart. There was something wrong. I don't know. I'm making no excuses. I agree with you. But... I don't know if he had a cold. There was a little whispering around that. I don't know. I don't know. Of course, the great ones, they overcome that. The special ones, the champions They find a way to overcome it. They've all been down that road. All of them in their history. But maybe it's just that he's getting old, Golovkin. Maybe it's just, you know, too much has been taken out of him in those very tough Canelo fights, uh, which I thought he won. But if... uh, and, you know, this is a guy who had about 400 amateur fights. He was a silver medalist, Golovkin we're talking about, in the Olympics. He's at that point where, you know, he can start to show the shades of, of age and, and what comes with it. Slowing down, you know, regressing, uh, having less of yourself every time you get in the ring for another fight. So... Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just that he's at that point, which I think he is, or maybe there was something else going on. Whatever it was, he showed so much heart, Triple G, overcoming what he had to overcome that night, besides the the fighter in front of him that just would not stop, that I could see him getting it. But from a technical standpoint, I did think that Schenkel probably deserved to win it, And I find, again, very interesting fight. Uh, A fight that should be really, really fun to watch. Uh, Darren Jenkins, simple. He's not complicated. He's a guy that brings it. He throws a lot of punches. Oh, my goodness. He throws so many punches. You better have your cardio really in place. Uh, And also your defense. But he's not a huge puncher. But... He's a, as we say, you know, he's a volume guy. And he makes those country box guys have to ice their fingers down in between <laughs> rounds because he does not stop. And he's got the chin to, to do it, you know. He, 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 can, he can stay in there. He's got the physical, physical ability to endure. Here's the question with him. Very interesting. Just what I said about Golovkin, Derevchenko's a guy at 34 years of age, who took a lot of punches in that Golovkin fight, took a lot of punches in the Jacobs fight. Tough fights. Uh, he had a lot of amateur fights, like these Eastern Europeans all do. Yeah, especially using U- Ukrainian. Yeah, does he start to show some of that, you know, residual effect from all those punches from those tough fights? Does he start to regress instead of progress? I don't know that's that's an X factor when when you're handicapping and I know there's people out there probably listening that are ready to go to my bookie so they want to hear they want to hear as much as they can hear like okay what can I put on what what can what value can I put on that what value can I put on that keep giving it to me because I know you maniac gamblers out there you want to hear everything you can <laughs>
0: <laughs> so at the end of the day you can still flip a coin and go oh I'll go with this guy you know but um, and one one interesting thing, though, about Derechenko is he, yeah he had an extensive amateur background, but he's 34 years old. He's only had uh, 15 pro fights, 13 and two with 10 knockouts and the two unanimous decision losses. Sorry, the two uh, decision but those losses. Two title about. fights,
1: which did, they did two things. One, they showed that he belongs at that level. That's good. And two. They put a lot of miles on the old terminal real fast. For sure. It was like taking a, like taking a long trip on a new car. Say, <laughs> you know, this car's not that old. It's a new car. But meanwhile, you just, you just drove to the Grand Canyon from New York and, and back. And then after that, you're deciding to go um, and go and listen to some jazz music in Memphis and, and then come back. <laughs> and then after that, you're deciding to go and see how the Ozarks are looking because you've been watching that TV show, the Ozarks, and you want to see what, what's going on out there. You know what? It's a new car with a lot of freaking miles that have been put on in a short <laughs> amount of time. And for me, that's the question. And what do you have in Charlo? Well, you have similar, you know, bigger than his brother but similar, good, solid guy technically, uh, confidence, undefeated, hasn't learned how to lose yet, physical element to him, you know, physically strong, but he's right in front of you too. You know, I know he he negotiate distance and do the things that fighters should do at that level, but It's not like you got to go look for him. And that's good news for Devin Shanko, you know, because he's going to be right there. And he's going to be, you know, basically bringing his lunch pal because that's the kind of fighter he is. (laughs) He's going (laughs) to bring his lunch pal, you know, and say, hey, I'm I'm here for the day. How about you? (laughs) You know? And so it should be a fun fight, Ken. It should be a fun fight to watch. And at the end of the day, for my bookie people out there, I'm going to give you a little something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the, the upset. I'm going to say that three is a charm, and he's already fought for the title twice, maybe deserved to win the last one. He fought Jacobs, then he fought Golovkin. Didn't get, obviously, either one of them, I'm going to say the third is to Trump, and he wins his title in a, in a, what would be a nice upset um, against Charlo. Now, am I going to be shocked if Charlo, you know, wins that? Of course not, because I'm picking an underdog. So if you're picking an underdog, you already know that most people don't think he's going to win. So I wouldn't be shocked if the favorite one. But I'm going to say this is a spot where it might not be a bad play to put a little you know put a little haircut money on uh on mr <laughs> Derrenchenko, you know and you could and, and you you don't have to worry about saving your haircut money because you're going to get a haircut free from Penn's barber anyway right
0: so that money <laughs> hang on hang on one second hang on one second i'm getting a call yeah uh, teddy it's the ghost of sam langford he said that uh deron has 15 fights and he went the distance with two champions He said, does Teddy really think that that guy has miles on the odometer? He's very upset. And Sam Langford, for those who don't know, had about, I don't know, 500 pro fights. 300 of which I'm talking about. (laughs) And he's my favorite fighter.
1: And that's why Ken knows about him. Because I've talked about him. He's my favorite fighter of all time. He's from the 20s and he was a very, very, very special man. He fought from lightweight to heavyweight. Fought everybody. Um, Oh my goodness. He's my favorite fighter. Him and uh him and Henry Armstrong are two of my favorites. I, I have admiration for for all fighters, but they're two of my favorites. Sugar Ray Leonard in the modern era is one of my favorites. Pinnell Whitaker, or all, all the you know, all those guys Roberto, Roberto Duran. But uh I definitely I love Joe Lewis Alley, of course, but uh definitely Armstrong and Langford were on the top of my list if you ask me and the the problem with it is most people wouldn't know who they are unfortunately boxing does not do it does not do the sport justice to be quite honest it doesn't do a good job of sharing the history of this great sport that's been around longer than any other sport it doesn't do a great job of dispersing that history to the young people you know There's outlets to find out in baseball. Football's not around that long, but baseball's been around a long time. There's history lessons, so to speak, that are available. Uh, Somebody putting it out there where it's just more readily available to people. But boxing, it's not. And I wish it was. You know, basketball it is. Um, But I wish there was more outlets for people for the young people to know about these great fighters Uh, Sam Langford was was a special special guy you know he's a guy that never got a chance he beat nine world champions that are in the Hall of Fame that are you know special special guys in non-title fights he never got a title fight because this is the greatest country in the world but we like everything we had to evolve We had to get better. We had to learn from our mistakes. We did. And we got better. But at that time, we weren't there yet. And black fighters were not able sometimes to get what they deserved to get, a fight against a champion that might be white. And they didn't all get that chance. And Sam Langford didn't get that chance. And he deserved it. And that's part of the reason why I'll go out of my way to explain Sam Langford to people that don't know about him, because I think that he deserves that, that he should be, he should have been a world champion in my book. And this is a guy that, as I said, lightweight to heavyweight, he fought them all. And look, it was a different era too uh, where everybody fought each other and you could fight and catch weights and you could, you know, move up and down in weights. But the guy had over a hundred knockouts. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, he had probably about three hundred fights. Some of the fights were not posted. One hundred and
0: twenty-six 20- knockouts and one hundred and seventy-eight wins as a yeah. pro, documented.
1: Yeah. Well, that's documented, and there's fights that aren't documented. Yep. Because back in those days, there were certain states that didn't allow boxing, so they would fight. You know, they would have fights set up but it wouldn't be documented. So you wouldn't see the record of it. They were called newspaper decisions, where the, the newspaper guys would say in the article the next day who they thought won the fight. And so that's, that's how they, they went by the newspaper decision. But again, it wasn't documented uh, where you could look at future did and necessarily see the amount of fights that it truly had. But I got to tell, since I'm talking about him, I have to tell one great Sam Langford story. <laughs> I love it. That's why I wanted to get you talking. It's, it's just a great story. I don't know how much of it's true. All I know is it's the legendary Sam Langford. That's enough for me. And back in those days, they waited before the fights in the morning. So they had just weighed in. They were walking out to fight. He was fighting a top fighter, but a top fighter in his own right, but a top fighter who knew the legend of Sam Langford. I'm fighting Sam Langford. In other words, he's in awe. It's like going up to bat. It's, it's like pitching against Willie Mays or Hank Aaron or you know, Babe Ruth. I mean, you know, you're you just in awe. I mean, you're the pitcher, you know, you, you probably got to blow on your hands a couple of extra times. <laughs> You know, just to get the sweat off them, just to calm your nerves down. So they just weighed in. I don't know the accuracy of all the elements, but the fight could have been 20, could have been 40 rounds. Because back in those days, that's that's what they did. They fought, you know, a large amount of rounds. And so it could have been a 40-round fight. Whatever it was, they literally brought their lunch Because they could be out there for a couple hours. So what they would bring back in those days, they weren't advanced and knowing, you know, nutriment and body science and all that stuff the way you know, Ken, because you you would have came right in there and said, No, no, no. You have to have four milligrams
0: of this and five you know, because you 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 know that stuff. You're an expert. Well, I'm an aged athlete. I've got to take. I've got to. You need every advantage I can and, get. And you look
1: great. You look great. And if we had com- if we had commercials, which we don't, but if we if we had commercials, you you might. <laughs> oh, no, really? You may come back each time with a, a little shape up. You know, a little, <laughs> a little, a little extra removed. But they're getting ready to go out. And they used to carry cartons, can of oranges, because that's how they replenished themselves, to get sugar, you know. So they would they would bring – that's all they knew. So they would bring oranges. So they would bring an orange for every round. So if it was a 40-round fight, there might be 40 oranges. If it was a 20 round, <laughs> 20 oranges. So here they are. They just finished, you know, and they got the rope ripped over them. I mean, there was something about – the old days really it was it was just something special so they got the road and they're walking out and the ring is out like in a field you know (laughs) and and it's just been put up you know with with two by fours and uh for the stands and then the ring in the middle and some of these events 30 40,000 people could could show up you know because they knew who these guys were so here they are they're going out and they're starting to go out, and they cross like this, you know, because one walks to this side where he knows his corner's going to be, the other goes to that side. So as they're walking out, here's his fighter looking at the great Sam Langford, and he looks over, and Sam Langford, he's got his oranges in his hand. He doesn't have a crate. This guy's got a crate. He's got his, and he's only got a few of them in his hands so the guy looks at him the fighter and he says Sam you you miscounted you you only got five and without hesitation the great Sam Langford looks at him and says only gonna need five <laughs> only gonna need five and then went out there and knocked him out in the fifth I just <laughs> I just loved the story Ken. yeah you know no so you'll learn something about Sam Langford today. Uh, but getting back to Charlo and Devon Chanko, uh, I, I think it could be an upset. You know, obviously, I understand why Charlo's the favorite. Uh, nice. He's 30 years old. He's four years younger. He's confident. He hasn't learned how to lose. He's got that zero at the end of his record. Uh, he's a good, physical, strong guy. Uh, I'm going to, again, I said it earlier, I'm going to say that the third one is to
0: charm. The third one is to charm for Derinchenko. I'm going to agree with you, but I would say, uh, like Sam Langford would say, Derinchenko, relatively speaking, is still... Uh, wet behind the ears and a young spring chicken with only 15 pro fights <laughs> compared to some of the some of the uh wars that some of the old veterans have been in but that's going to be a good card top to bottom there's some other title fights on there we don't have time to break everything down but those two main events i like seeing the charlos in action they're definitely um all action fighters they definitely bring excitement i, I
1: just think that the pay-per-view and you're going to touch on this now maybe a little bit before we move on. But mm-hmm. um, I just think the executives sometimes, I don't know, they I know that they went to college. I didn't go to college. They're so smart. They're so smart. And they, they're supposed to know better than I know. But for me, they they're wrong. They're wrong putting a 75 dollar take on you. this and again again they're, they're the guys who get paid the big bucks to make these decisions
0: uh but- look i think that there's there's a group of people that will pay 175 dollars for a fight there's a group of fans out there that just love boxing and i think i'm one of them like you know it it doesn't You know, it sucks paying sometimes for these kind of fights, but I'll pay it because I love it. But there is a group of, I mean, boxing is like a blue collar sport. And I think you do get to the point, especially during this pandemic, where people are probably starting to think about what they're spending money on. At least some people who might work in the service industry, especially restaurant business. And I think that you're pricing a lot of them out of the uh, out of this fight. Seventy five bucks is a lot of cash to see the two Charlo brothers fight, no disrespect to them, but seventy-five dollars is a lot for me. Unless you have Triple G and uh, Canelo, okay, seventy-five, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. There's no issue there. But I'll be curious to see, and you never get a true sense of what these numbers are. But I'll be curious to see what numbers they report and how many pay per view buys they do. There's obviously very intelligent people working at Showtime and some of the networks that make these decisions, and and they must see something that we don't see that they think they can charge 75 bucks and, and do enough views to justify the card. But I'll be curious to see, especially going up against UFC and Dana White. And I know that Dana White has no love loss for Steven Espinoza at Showtime. So uh, if there is a way for Dana to turn the screws on this one and add some... Uh, add some bonus content on the ufc i wouldn't be surprised if something changes dramatically to the upside for the ufc because i know he loves sticking it to um steven espinoza and um uh golden boy whenever he gets the chance uh and Aram for that matter i mean he seems to be at like all of their throats but that fight on the ufc that night uh adesanya versus Paulo costa two young lions that is a that is a hell of a fight. That's as good a fight as the UFC will put on all year, in my opinion. Everyone wants to see it very competitive, evenly matched. I agree. So, I agree. anyway, I, I, I like it because I'm going to watch them both, but I don't think a lot of people are going to be in a position to pay for both of them uh, or, or want to pay for both of those. And. I know I think there is a lot of crossover fans so it'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out. Next thing I want to talk to you speaking about executives is um the drama with uh Canelo Golden Boy and the Zone. My god, this is a uh this thing has been a mess almost since Jump Street. I mean, they got the first one off um Um, they fed uh, Rocky Fielding to Canelo for his first fight, like, welcome to the zone, $40 bucks, And uh, I think they're having a serious case of buyer's remorse here. But I also think that they genuinely believed that they were going to get the Triple G-Canelo trilogy. And from what I can gather, and it's hard to tell who's telling the truth or what's what's fact and what's fiction, but it seems to me like Triple G wants the fight and Canelo doesn't want the fight. But either way, that the controversy seems to be, from what I can gather, that um, Oscar and Golden Boy may have promised that third fight to the Zone. The Zone entered into that big contract, forty million a fight, thirty-five goes to Canelo, five goes to Golden Boy per fight, eleven fight deal, and uh, Canelo just doesn't want to give it to them. And I don't think there was a clause in there that says they can force him to do anything. They can obviously veto the opponents, and um, but this thing is a mess. It's going to court. Be curious to see how it all shakes out at the end of the day it's like we just the fans are the ones who are getting screwed here because we just want to see the guy in action he's at the prime of his career he's busy he's the top draw in the sport or one of them and um he's going to be on the sideline for well over a year by the time he gets back in there curious to hear your thoughts
1: well there's a few different dimensions to this thing but to get to the first dimension very simply very directly because we are pretty direct over here. Uh, I'm going to say that the big shot executives who made this decision, uh, they should probably, I think they made a bad deal. Now, of course, that doesn't make me Notre Dame or as I like to say on ESPN over 23 years, the amazing Kreskin, but they didn't make a good deal. To give them that kind of money, what they, I was going to say what were they thinking, but to give that kind, and to think you're going to get back that money and more, because the whole idea is not to, of course, just get back what you put out, but to make a lot more to think there was a true way of doing that, these guys weren't really as smart as they think they are. Because, And I know it's easy to say now. It doesn't make me Notre Dame. But first of all, you're supposed to get a guarantee that you're going to freaking fight. The one big fight that was out there that started their interest probably in Canelo, and that's Golovkin. Even though I thought Golovkin is, is used up now and, Obviously, the best part of his career has sailed. But still, that was the star. That was the fight. Those two fights, that's what got everyone really interested in Canelo as far as this kind of deal goes and his drawing power and everything else and his future. And he's the king now. So how do you go and give that kind of money and not get guarantee that you're going to get that fight? That Canelo's going to agree to it because he didn't agree to it. He didn't agree to it. He didn't agree to it. So how do you go and make that deal? So I'm going to say again, even though some of my advisors ask me not to, because they want to see me on the network. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But it's okay. I got to say what I believe, because that comes first. Otherwise, what am I? What am I? Just I'll be empty if I'm not able to be what I believe I'm supposed to be and stand for what I believe you should stand for, what you believe to be the truth. And so I think that these executives, first of all, that gave that kind of money and made that kind of deal without getting a guarantee of Canelo uh, and, and Golovkin or guarantee of Golovkin, they should be going to the same place that Oscar's going to very shortly. Yeah. The unemployment line. <laughs> they should be on their way here, Ken. They should be. Let's be fair in this world. They should be. Okay? But having said that, they, they thought you're going to get that money back, but you need interesting facts. You need star power. They're, they're not out there. Open your eyes. Open them wide. Wide. Like, like really wide and look at the landscape there are none out there right now for him to generate that kind of interest to the public to come out there watch what they got fooled by intoxicated by influenced by was the money that mayweather made the money he made with pacquiao and then with conor mcgregor but what they didn't understand was those were one in a million time events that the stars lined up perfectly sat with Jupiter is Pluto is Pluto still a, a planet or if they removed Pluto <laughs> I'm not sure I, th- I think the environmentalists removed it I right, they removed I like Pluto I like that little purple planet you know they, they See if you can talk to one of your big shot friends, Ken, in in the science department, and see if they can bring Pluto back. Because
0: I, I, I'm Pluto, texting
1: Elon Musk right now. All right, <laughs> that's my man. That's what I like about Ken. <laughs> he, he he doesn't fool around. He has got it on his he's got it on his phone. Bang! He gets to the right person right away. So those stars don't line up every day like that? And they thought they 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 had stars in their eyes where they oh a dollar bills in their eyes. Oh, Oh yeah. We'll give them 365 million. Oh, (laughs) no big deal. And and we'll get back so much more. Where you don't even have Golovkin on your ability to do it with him. How the hell, where, where, where are you going to get that? And so uh, just a bad deal. Um, and now, now they're in a position where, hey, look, Canelo wants his money. You know, he's, it's not like we're going to be doing benefits for him. I mean, he was getting his 30, $40 million a fight. What, what did he do on the contract? Four fights? Either three or Four. He gets... He did three.
0: How I many years he, he four realized? Fights four on so the contract. Far. So obviously... I believe he's done four at $35 million a piece. Right. So obviously he wants to get the rest of it. He
1: wants to get all of that $365 million. And he ain't going to go into a ring to get it right now. He's going to have to go into a courtroom. And I don't know what's going to be, even if he wins the case, what's going to be there to to really... To, to get the money. It's one thing winning the case, right? It's another thing being able to co- collect. And and even if he wins the case, Oscar de la Hoya is basically going to be out of business. He's, he's got all kinds of problems. Uh, Golden Boy's got all... I mean, he's unraveling. Uh, he's made mistakes, from what I understand, in making this deal with uh, the agreements and the, the things that he guaranteed Canelo, he promised... Uh, Canelo uh, things that obviously were not things that he could live up to or that the zone necessarily understood that he had told Canelo that was going to be part of the deal so they hadn't signed off on it whatever at the end of the day I'm hearing that the zone might be out of business in the United States in six months yeah yeah I'm not saying that that's going to happen but just to hear the possibility of it tells you the level of trouble financially that's going on with these people. That they might they
0: they might just close up shop in the U.S. and just stick to Europe. Well, they have a huge global business. They they stream global sports all over the world, including soccer, rugby, yes. baseball. and I- Yeah, so they they might they they might feel they have to
1: close up in the U.S. and and just do what they do, uh, you know, internationally uh, over there. But either way, either way, they're having, obviously, they're, they're in a difficult financial position right now. And again, even if you had the money, how are you going to go and continue to just bleed dollars the way they're bleeding dollars in the way that the zone started off giving all this money away and they made a lot of fighters very rich but how do you sustain it and and, and how do you do a 365 million dollar deal and not open your eyes and look you know beyond uh 100 yards in front of you Look farther down the road and show me where you see these fights. Again, I hope you weren't thinking about McGregor and, and, and Mayweather and Mayweather and Pacquiao because, man, you messed up. Man, you deluded yourself. Man, you weren't smart. And who says just because you got a, a, a nice brass name on your door and you got a fancy office, who says they're that smart and that brain? Sometimes they're not. So you got Canelo, you know, kind of reminds me of that movie. I know Rob's going to get this one up. This one's funny. The one, what was the Goodfellas when Daniel's De De Niro's, uh, talking to, to this guy who I think owned uh, Beauty Police or whatever, right? The guy, he had a toupee. <laughs> yeah, know? what was the guy's uh, so name? Jewish guy. Know, um
0: saw saul yeah um was it Saul marty? I, I, marty something like that so whoever he was he was a gambling degenerate never yeah, paid his so, debts. That. so he's trying they choked him with the phone yeah, so he's trying maury Ma- maury <laughs> maury the wig man, the wig man. <laughs> i knew it was something to do with hair
1: so maury's trying to rationalize this thing right And you got Jimmy Burke, the guy, the gangster that Daniel's playing, and he only said one thing one thing that's relevant, one thing that matters. Give me my money. That's all. My, that's Canelo. That's Canelo right now. You know, Oscar's uh, trying to talk. You know, Oscar's talk trying to talk. And the executives are trying to talk. And Canelo's like is like De Niro right now, Jimmy Burke. Give me my money. Give me my money. And, and you know, and what do you do? He had this kid. What do you do? He had like the uh,
0: yeah he had the phone call and
1: Yeah, and he was like right he was like give me my money give me but jimmy give me my money
0: (laughs) give me my i want my money
1: (laughs) we we had to cancel i can see it now ken you come on here i'm ken right out um Normally, the partner with Teddy Atlas. I'm here uh, this week, bringing you another podcast. We wanted to keep the flow going, but Teddy couldn't. Uh, Teddy couldn't make this one because he choked himself uh, with his cord from his microphone. <laughs> so he's going to miss this one. But we're asking you all to say prayers for, you know, for a speedy recovery, and hopefully, he'll be right back with us uh,
0: as soon as possible. <laughs> and uh, well. Some some interesting notes about this the zone deal. So, get this: they reported Dan, uh, Dan Raphael reported that the three opponents that the the zone deemed as acceptable for Canelo. And you ready for this? Well, obviously Triple G, and the other two. Khabib Namaga-Madoff, the UFC fighter, or Jorge Masvidal, another UFC fighter. So basically, you can fight Triple, Z, triple G or we'll put you in in uh, two sideshows. I mean, no offense to the UFC guys, and, you know, we love Jorge Masvidal, and Khabib is probably one of the best U- MMA fighters ever, but... I don't want to see him fight guys, MMA guys. We want to see him fight the best fighters. He's a boxer. It's like comparing the two. is like comparing football and rugby. Could the guys interchange in those two sports? I would yes. be
1: inter- I'd be more interested in seeing it. I agree with you. You know what it's like when you start doing this stuff and you start mix-matching with different sports like this with such different rules that it's almost like saying, I'm going to pay X amount of money to see the guy go in the cage with a lion. Yes, that's right. But, but I'm gonna pay to see him going to lion. But the lion's got no teeth, and we're gonna remove his claws. Yep. Well, what am I paying at? I what am I paying? If you're gonna put him in with a lion, all right. There's a little interest here. Uh, how's he gonna do this? I <laughs> <laughs> really. I mean, I know I'm getting a little, you know, it's going to, people are going to say, Teddy, you want to see it? My God, what kind of mind do you have, Teddy? I'm just making a point. There'd be some interest. Give him a knife, right? And you say, go ahead, go in there with the lion. Let's see. see. I'm going to pay. And you make a lot of money, probably, because a lot of people would pay to see it. But if you say, I took his claws out and took his teeth. Well, so you're going to put a guy in with an MMA guy, like we did with Conor McGregor. And all credit to McGregor. He made a nice showing with a 40-something-year-old fighter who hadn't fought for two and a half years, you know, and who really likes to counterpunch Mayweather. And he couldn't counterpunch. He had to change his style and he had to go get him. And once he realized that, well, he went and he got him. But McGregor did okay. He did. And and you didn't feel bad too bad about it. Uh but really, Ken, you guys. Do we really want to see an MMA guy, great, great fighters that they are, handicapped? We want to see their teeth taken away and their claws because that's what you're doing. Because you're saying you can't kick, you can't grapple, you can't (coughs) jiu-jitsu. You can't do any of the things that make you a lion, that make you a lion. You can't use those things. You have to go in there and do something that you're not as good at as the boxer, who only does that. That's not, that's not really sporting. That's an event. And if you can sell it. So it shows you I was, right on the, I was right on the button with that one at least because it shows you that the executives, they realize after a while, oh, my good! they should have realized it a little earlier, but they realize we don't got nothing. We, we, we don't got nothing. We don't have any fights that can get us back that $365 million in the boxing. So we'll go and we'll try to create events. We'll try to create Super Bowls. We'll try to create bottom and Bailey. We'll try to invite, invent something that can somehow have lightning strike again, where it did with McGregor. And Mayweather would we're, we're try to do something to do that and as you just said McGregor was a great promoter McGregor it wasn't just that he was a tremendous striker for the MMA world and the UFC world but he was a tremendous promoter paired with another great promoter in Mayweather with another with 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 another great promoter in Mayweather money Mayweather so that those stars aren't going to line up again so easily like that. So now they're grabbing for force they're, gra- they're, they're basically, they signed the guy to $365
0: million to. to By the way, he had three fights. Three. He he had three fights. So he earned, he earned 120, 105 and, and, and golden boy got 15. They get five per, per fight.
1: Yeah, so he's not going broke. I mean, we don't, we're not going to have to worry about him too much, you know,
0: by the way, that's just the licensing. I'm not sure how the gate gets split. I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but this is just the licensing broadcast, and I believe that he probably gets a huge cut of the gate too, which oh, could dear. be like 20 million at the gate for a Canelo Over fight. Over a
1: certain amount. But what I'm yeah, what I'm saying is that you know here you are now, where you give somebody 365 million dollars to promote. To televise his fights, boxing, boxing. Marcus of Queensberry. Ten ounce gloves. Okay? That that is what you paid him for. Now you're scrambling around saying, well, maybe we could do Khabib. Maybe maybe we could do Masvidal. Oh, two tremendous, tremendous performers. Tremendous in their game, no doubt about it. is a little closer to McGregor as far as the the personality and the promotional. Khabib's more of a serious
0: guy. He's just an outright— Can you imagine Khabib and Canelo trying to promote this fight? Canelo speaks zero English. Khabib speaks a little— Well,
1: Khabib doesn't speak—yeah, neither
0: one speaks English. So that's a little problem. And neither one is a shit talker. They're not going to be out there having uh, sold-out press, press events. No. So that's
1: what I'm saying. It, it, they're, they're grabbing for straws. But, again, they didn't really look before they jumped. Before they took that 365 – and somebody's got to put the blame where it belongs. They, you know, they didn't look before they jumped
0: you know i think they probably feel like they're going and you
1: can't blame mayweather on it you know why i'll tell you why he was just looking to get them to give up the money he would he was he just wanted to leave that office that that room that day with the biggest off he could get and then look at canelo and say See what I did Oh,
0: See you, you I mean did? uh you mean you mean
1: de la jolla not mayweather no i had to say de la jolla i'm sorry de la jolla you know de la jolla wanted to leave that office and just say, which I'm sure he did, and say, see what I did? Yeah. See what I did? The, the only thing that Canelo should have said back was, I'll give you credit when I get all the money in my bank. Yes. Uh, you know, when I, uh, I mean, uh, how are we going to get, you know, the honeymoon is short-lived. The honeymoon, can is short-lived. Like they gave him, they gave him the one frippy, right? Uh, fight, you know.
0: Rocky Fielding.
1: Yeah, they gave him that one. And okay. Okay, and now now we want to see something, and then they gave him. And he fought uh, Jacobson. Who were the um, Jacobs and Kovalev? Yeah, Jacobs and Kovalev over the hill a little bit, coming off that tough fight with Yardi. I know he's a bigger man. I I still didn't I hate know, it. I I could live with both but of it those. Isn't two big numbers, and that, so the people aren't right. that dumb out there. The people aren't that dumb out there. You know, could uh. Kovalev was coming off a short, short break off a tough fight. where he almost got knocked out with Yachty. And and he didn't have enough time to recover. You know, he's in his late 30s. He's, you know, the best of them had, had sailed, as I said before. The best of his career had yeah. sailed already. And uh, so you, you know, so you're getting... And then, of course, Jacobs, uh, nice, solid fight, but not in yeah. the not in that stratosphere of that kind of money, That you're, because you're not going to realize it back. You know, how are you going to recoup your freaking investment With if those are the best you can do? You're
0: not going to, and they didn't. And that's why we're talking about it. I think they viewed that deal as a loss leader. Like, we're going to take a loss on this, but we're going to sign up a lot of people and we'll start to build up our own stable of fighters like Showtime, HBO, ESPN did over the years. And it just it just backfired. But I do believe that Oscar was probably in there promising him the world. Imagine how excited Oscar was. Oscar, And I mean, no offense, but he doesn't come across as a road Scholar, how excited he was to go back and report to Canelo, look what I did for you, and probably promised them everything. Yeah, we'll get Triple G, $40 million of course we'll fight him in the parking lot for 40 million and canelo was probably like okay great job who are we fighting uh first up triple g nah no 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 i never agreed to that i need more money for that and you know skippers skipper at the zone i believe did the whole deal himself he flew out to la from the way i understand it went to golden boy offices they almost had a deal. same
1: skipper wait wait as long as you brought him up the same skipper who had just been pushed out the door at espn yep forced to resign yep at ESPN, yep. and now he comes in, and his, his first deal out of the box is this deal. Not, not, not swinging not, for the fences. Not, not a great deal. But you said some earlier that the zone they wanted to sign up for. Well, the guy who's promoting for them, Matchroom, yeah, he wants to sign up as many guys as possible. But there was only one intent, remember this, Ken, for the TV people. The the zone. One thing. One. Nothing else. Subscribers. Subscribers. That's all it was. They wanted to get subscribers. And they figured with Canelo, the biggest pay-per-view guy out there in boxing, with the great, great Latino following that he has, such loyal fight fans that they'd be able to get more subscribers. But you know what? People weren't going to sign up. And put money out there to, they wanted mo, a little bit more sizzle. You know, you're offering them sizzle. You're offering them sizzle. You, you show, you, but they didn't even, They didn't see it. I know you want to steak, but they'd like to even get the sizzle. They'd like to, They at least Golovkin, and you don't even have Golovkin in the pen, you don't even have him in the barn. I mean, again, who were you looking to, to get these subscribers from? What fights were going to entice the audiences to come out there and say, I have to buy The Zone. Look at these fights they're putting on this month. Oh, my God. Honey, you're not getting your hair done this month. <laughs> no. No, you're not. <laughs> you no. Know, how am I going to fight? I mean, <laughs> come on. Come on. We're talking real here. I mean you i would have we could have done a better job
0: i mean at least would have yep. known what we're dealing with here you know and i think that i think that one of the outcomes they could probably hope for here is they owe they owe canelo 240 million but let's say in the settlement they say listen no harm no foul here's a hundred mil you leave and you could say, whoa, they're going to give him 100 mil. Well, this is going to save 100, another 140 by not paying the whole 240. And for Canelo, from Canelo's perspective, take the 100, take whatever settlement they're offering and go be your own promoter now. You're the biggest free agent in the history of boxing. He could probably go in two or three That's fights and make up going. the difference.
1: He's going down the same road. It's inevitable. It's obvious. He's going down the same road as his promoter went down years ago, the lawyer. De La Hoya was yep. with top rank with Bob Barron and he realized I don't need him. Right? W- what do I need a promoter? I'm the biggest star in boxing, which he was at the time. I'm a matinee idol, which he was. I'm a crossover attraction of crossing over to the women, to people that don't normally watch this sport, you know. So, which he was, and you know, he he he's. He's undefeated at the time. He's won world titles at different weight classes. What does he need a friggin' promoter for? What does he need to give him 70% of the promotional that that's made? Where he gets 30. Matter of fact, I think he was getting 27.5 and uh if if my my uh if I'm correct with my sources, which I usually am, uh and I guess uh, Aaron was getting 72.5, whatever it was. But what do I got to give them when I can have the whole thing and do my own promotion? So he did. He did with a guy named Richard Schaefer, who they didn't do later on down the road. They uh, had big problems, kind of like they have it now. Yeah. But he made millions of dollars. He made millions of millions. And then somebody named Floyd Mayweather looked – He had the same promoter, I believe, at the time too, Harum. And he looked and he said, what the freak? What am I, same thing. What am I doing all this, taking all the risks, letting him make all the money, you know, um, the bulk of it. Let me start Mayweather promotions, the same thing that De La Hoya did. And
0: Oscar and Mayweather has done it. He did it even at a better level you know well you can imagine if canelo he already got 120 million 105 uh million for the first three if he could get any kind of settlement out of the zone let's just for argument's sake say he gets 50 to 100 starts his own promotion then he can go make the canelo then he can go make the triple g fight and essentially keep half the money come to an agreement with triple g they go and promote the fight yeah, I mean, themselves mean he should
1: be his own promoter because why are you going to give up exactly you know the only fight i can see out there boxing match that, again, I'm, I'm not going to... Rightfully so, for not having the foresight to see there was none on the horizon to bring in any kind of crazy money. The only one out there now in boxing, quite honestly, Ken, is probably Joshua and Fury, if that fight gets made. That's, yeah. that's about the only one yep. that comes to that universe. I mean, I... Yeah. I, I mean, the only... Other than that, maybe, maybe if maybe like maybe if they mix and match again, somebody with one of these great UFC guys that you know they could do that. But again, we're, we're we're talking about a whole different animal here. We're we're not talking about what you put this deal together for. You put it together for to have fights out there that would generate this kind of pay per view, those kind of numbers. And now all of a sudden, you have to go off to farm. You know, you have to you, you, you have to go off to farm now to try to 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 try to come up with some crazy scenario, because you realize those numbers aren't there. They're not there in the boxing, other than a Joshua and maybe Fury. Maybe you know, maybe you could have, uh, unless you have maybe to come back and fight somebody like Buzz Lightyear or, or Woody from the Toy Story because I, I've been watching them with my grandson putting them to bed at night and they're very popular you know they, they're, very, they're, yeah. they're able to move pretty good Buzz Lightyear can fly a little bit or at least glide uh, he's got all kinds of superpowers <laughs> maybe they can make that but Floyd will be up for it listen I'll finish this with everything going on. I touched on it two episodes again ago, and I'm going to touch on it again a little bit more in depth, in detail, what's also going on here. We started to talk about this topic. I said there's different elements, different dimensions. There's the deal. There's the executives who made the deal. There's Canelo who is uh wants his money there's the landscape of boxing that does not set up right now to really render that kind of money so all these elements we touched on here's one more De La hoya himself he's unraveling he he's unraveling i mean he's talking about coming back There's talks about that he needs the money which is sad and I hope it's not true. I hope it's not true. I hope it's not true. But here's a guy talking about coming back at his age and fighting, you know, top, top guys. Um, and here's a guy who is making bad decisions, alienating themselves with his fighters. I mean, if you're a promoter, you better not alienate yourself with fighters. I mean that's that's yep. how you make your money if somebody hasn't ayahuasca hey, then your fight is what your product is. I mean that's that that's that's what you're promoting. I mean you you have
0: to have a relationship well, it's a little late for that because he seems yeah, to I have know. issues with every single one except Virgil Ortiz. Well yeah.
1: So he's alienating himself, making bad decisions there, bad decisions in the boardroom, so to speak, if you will. With, with these uh, executive type decisions. And I'm here to say, this ain't the first time he's unraffled. No. Because there, there is a, a history of him unraveling in the ring. And I don't think anyone's ever talked about this. Uh, I, we all have our problems. But we're talking about this for a reason. It's public domain. It's, it's uh, in a sport that we cover. And it's, it's topical news. So as a fighter, and I said this two podcasts ago, I gave him all the credit in the world. He deserved it. He was a multi-division champion. He was a gold medalist uh, from the Olympics. He, he's, he was a pioneer, started his own promotional company, and then Mayweather later on followed suit. So he made a lot of money. And he was all these things. But he was also a guy who back then was doing what he's doing now. He's sabotaging himself. He's destroying himself. He's making bad decisions. He's undermining himself. If you didn't know better, you would almost say that some of these decisions were almost like self inflicted wounds. Like, like, he, like, he, like he doesn't want to be successful. Oh, Teddy, come on. How do you say that? Well, I'm going to point out in his boxing career, as good as it was, every time he fought a top fighter, I'm talking about a top guy where it wasn't enough to just have talent to win. You had to be together in every facet of the game, every department. I always say 75% is here. When he fought the tough, top, top guys, where it wasn't just talent to win, Mosley, uh, when, when he fought... um. Trinidad, Mayweather, all those guys, when he fought again, Mosley, Trinidad, Mayweather, whoever, when he fought the top guys, he always found a way to screw up. He was winning against Mosley. Mosley did what great fighters do. He made an adjustment. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the tide of the fight, the rhythm of the fight changed. And you could see it. And, May, and De La Hoya was winning. And then it changed. And De La Hoya turned to make an adjustment, to see that he had to do something different. And he never did. He never did. He just kept going down that rabbit hole. And he lost. And then he fights Trinidad. Ken. he's winning the fight. And then from in the 10th round, he decides, you know what? I don't want to win this fight. I know I'm, I'm just saying it to get the effect. But I'm just making... He, he says, I'm going to survive. I'm not going to do what I, I'm going to run. I'm, I'm just going to run and basically survive. And, but you had three rounds. Just keep doing what you were doing. Stay alert. Don't get me wrong. You're ahead. Don't get careless. But keep doing what you're doing. It's almost like he said, no, I'm, I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to find a way to screw it up. And he screwed it up. A lot of people say, Teddy, I thought he still won that fight. But he lost the right to complain by what he did down the stretch, by the decision he made. And he gave them a reason to rob him, if that's what you believe. Or Trinidad got what he deserved by coming on and taking advantage of that kind of behavior. Any way you want to look at it, De La Hoya did something he shouldn't have done. That there was no, But there's a track, you can do it once. But to do it every time in a big fight, that, now let's go to the Mayweather fight. What's he dealing with? He's dealing with the best defensive fighter in the business and the best counterpunch in the business. So, but he's longer. He's got longer. So what do you do? You stay way on the outside and you use that long jab. You know why, Ken? Because then you take those counterpunching abilities of Mayweather out of play because there's nothing to counter. There's nothing to counter. Because you're out here. Bah, bah. And he's winning those rounds when he's doing that. And you take the speed, the superior speed of Mayweather, out of the picture, because now he can't use the speed, because there's nothing to use his speed against. You're not engaging with him. So there's nothing for him. Let him shadow box on the outside and show how fast he is. <laughs> but don't give him something to show how fast he is, to be effective with that speed. So Mayweather, when he's on the outside, he's using his ship, he's winning the rounds. Oh, 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 No, no, wait a minute. What will I do? Hmm. I'll go inside with the best counterpuncher, the fastest guy in a, in the game. Maybe, maybe <laughs> him and Pacquiao are the fastest. Whatever. I'll go inside with the fastest fastest counterpuncher in the game. And and that's what I'll do. And he does that and he blows the fight. Why? Why is it twisted, short circuited? I'm not trying to be mean right now. I said two podcasts ago, you know, Oscar needs to get a dog. Because I think he needs I need, I think he needs approval. He needs to be light. So I was half jokingly saying, but I wasn't being mean. I was just saying he needs help. Maybe a dog would help. But now I think it's beyond a puppy. I think seriously. And I, 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 and we all need help in some freaking way. But we're not all in this position that he's in. And as a public figure, as a person that handles the kind of things that he has to handle. People's lives, people's careers, all that stuff, right? So I'm saying that I think he needs help. I think he needs some someone to talk to you know psychiatric counseling whatever you want to call it and again people are gonna wow teddy just said that oh, hey guys come watch this you hear what teddy just said he just said oscar D la Jolla needs a psychiatrist well i yeah i probably need one too <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not i'm not out there involved in the things he's involved in 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 those kind of responsibilities. That's the difference right now. I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm just doing what, and talking about what I think is prevalent and obvious to talk about. That this ain't the first time this guy's been down this, this road of unraveling, of making bad decisions. He did it even in his career that he was so successful in, in all his big fights. There was, he always found a way to screw it up. Like, did he think that when it got to it, he didn't deserve to win? Did he, I don't know. To, all I know is that we all have demons to a certain extent. His demons, when they, when they knock on his door, he lets them in. He lets them in. You're supposed to chase them to your the best of your ability. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here, Mr. Devil. Get! (laughs) And he, right now, they seem to be getting in that door again. Again. Is it insecurities? We all have them. Is it something from our past? We all have a past. But whatever it is, whatever it is, it's there. It's there. And
0: it's impacting him. And it's not new. Nope. Nope, it's not new. And speaking of uh, speaking of demons and trying to keep them out of the door, um, that brings me to the next thing I wanted to discuss with you. And it's uh, this one is hard, hard for me because I love Jamel Herring, but I think he made a decision in his last fight that he's probably going to regret for a long time. And again, I want to preface by saying I really like Jamel Herring, but it's hard to avoid what we all saw and what took place. He's beaten uh, Jonathan Akendo in a very rough physical fight. Akendo's coming in, leading with his head. Head butts Jamel Herring, I think, around the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken, and cuts him pretty bad. But nothing we haven't seen before and um, the ref at the time, I thought it was interesting, ruled it intentional. I I didn't think he was intentionally trying to headbutt him, but he looked like he was being careless and rushing in. Nevertheless, he ruled it intentional. Fight carries on uh, five and a half more rounds, I think around the eighth or ninth round, in between rounds jamel tells the trainer with the doctor in the corner that he can't see and uh, i'm gonna turn over to you in a second but to me as a layman watching fighting when the guy says he can't see and the doctor's there that's saying i quit because you know the doctor cannot let you continue if you tell him you can't see and i don't want to call jamel a quitter but you can't say you can't see if the doctor's there. You've had guys like uh, Arturo Gatti who legitimately are probably, you know, they can't see the eye is swollen shut. The doctor's asking him how many fingers he has up, and I think that the trainer is whispering in uh, in, um, the fighter's ear how many fingers he has up because that guy won't stop unless he's dead, and I feel terrible for Jamel. I think he's trying to do damage control out there, talking a lot about it, and look, I would never want to criticize a fighter... I would never have the guts to get in there and fight in front of an audience full of people and millions of people on TV. So far be it for me to criticize him. But when you tell someone you can't see, you're basically saying you're done. What are your thoughts? What would you see? Well, right now, it's what do I hear?
1: I hear stuff going. Do you have a a band practicing uh, out back over there? (laughs) Ken, we're very transparent here. We're, we're we're part of the we're regular guys, and and the people that we talk to are,
0: are people. So let us know. I think the lawn guys are just uh, cutting the grass. Okay, but I All hope that right. they've well, done. Soon. That's
1: well, twenty five
0: acres. You know, it's not <laughs> There's not cut. much grass to cut. Believe Come me. Come on, Ken. Ken. <laughs> I mean. I promise yeah, you. I mean, we'll have to show Rob we will have to put up a picture of our patch of grass. You got a nine hole golf course out there. Stop. <laughs> Come on. We don't have enough just, room just for your our, putting, our single mini hole putting just putt. your putting
1: range alone is gonna take at least a half hour. But <laughs> listen, you said it right. Everything you said about Jamal, how you feel, I say it and and uh it's kinda like a card game. I, I I'm I'll see you and I'll raise you because that's how I feel about him. Uh, this is a guy that was a Olympian. He's a world champion. He's a Marine. He defended our country. Uh, matter of fact, years ago when I was doing a Friday night fights and doing the fight plans, we, we did a show at the Marine base. And who did I do it with? Him. Corporal Herring, Corporal Ramirez. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. You guys are not only Marines, you happen to be on the boxing team too, right? Yes, sir. All right, with either one of you, I need a southpaw to play Stevie Johnson, yes, world champ. All right, great. All right, now, Johnson, guy that likes to be aggressive. He likes to move his head a little bit as he's coming in. And he likes to storm those beaches a little bit. Yeah, that's what he likes. Uh, He was one of the fighters, I think, that I demonstrated with. This is a guy that I have nothing but admiration, respect, and... Um, care for uh, and appreciation. I, I appreciate what he has committed himself to, the kind of person he's committed himself to being, the kind of fighter, and again, as I said, being a Marine, the commitment to more than himself, to all of us. That's a special guy, that selflessness. Uh, to be selfless like that, it's, it's uncommon. So... But, he's, but now we're talking about your, what you're doing as a fighter, as a champion in the ring. First, there's different, as I said earlier with the Canelo stuff, there's different elements here, Ken. There's different elements here. First of all is the referee. How the hell do you know that it's intentional? Are you a mind reader? Because if you are, you know what? Come hang out with me for a little while. Give me a couple days, and I can make good use out of you. Really, I'm going to put you to work, baby. <laughs> I'm going to put you to work, and we're all going to benefit from it. Really. Are you a freaking, come on, I like this referee, but are you a mind reader? What are you doing? First of all, that's his style. You know, you want evidence, you want to be in a courtroom, a lawyer. lawyer would say, let's look at the evidence. Look at the videotape. Was with every one of his fights, he fights that way. That fight, he continued fighting that way. He started fighting. He comes in. He's a guy who gets top heavy. His technique's not the best. His head, his upper body gets ahead of his legs, which it shouldn't be, but it is. He gets fat with his punches and, and he falls forward and he falls in with his head. That's how he fights. That's how he's going to fight till he retires. That ain't going to change. That's what he does. I looked at that, and I was like, are you kidding me? How do you say that that's intentional? When this is what he's been doing all night, and again, go back and look at his fights. He's always fought that way. So then then he's intentionally trying to butt somebody every time he gets in the ring then, I guess. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? So that's number one. That's number one. And the people looking out for the fighter here. I'm going to get to the fighter in a minute and his responsibilities. But the people looking out, you got weeks going over there and you're right. He said the thing, he said the thing that if you want to fight, stop the the quickest way. It's kind of like ringing a fire alarm. You know, if you want that, if you want that building closed down in a hurry, ring the fire alarm and you know what's going to happen. They're going to close it down. The firemen are going to come. And if you say, if you say I can't see, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. Students should say that. Now listen, if a guy can't see, that's up to him. It's his life. I mean, normally in a in in the normal world of the civilian world, if you will, you can't see. Hey, you you stop doing what you're doing until you can see again. But we're not in the normal world. We're in the ring. Warriors. You know, we we're, we're talking about in the ring of guys that have to overcome those things. The definition of a fighter, somebody who finds a way to overcome what he's dealing with. And what he's dealing with this is dramatic and is involved with danger. That's what fighting is. Being involved with danger and finding a way to get through that danger, finding a way to control that danger, to triumph over that danger. The word champion, it's a word that's earned. It's earned the right to be called a champion. And part of the earning of it is how you behave, what you go through. Again, I get it. You could say, but Teddy, I can't see. I get, but we're talking about two different realms here. Once you go into that realm, once you make a commitment, once you say, and you take that oath, so to speak, that I'm going to be a fighter, I'm going to, well, now you have the obligation to behave like a fighter, to think like a fighter, to find a way, even if it means that what of your eyes ain't working so good. And again, I I understand. Please don't argue with me out there and say, oh, but Teddy, you know, it could be a retina. It could be that. I get it. I get it. But once you have made that commitment to being a fighter, you have made a commitment that other people don't have to make in their realm, in their vocation, for the most part. You have... You know, it's, it's like going into the surface. Once you say, I'm, I want to go, yes, yeah, sign me up. Put, me, put my hand on the I I swear my allegiance to this country, and I'm going into the Army, the Marines, whatever it is. Like he did. He understands better than anybody that when he made that oath to be a Marine, he knew that when he's going up that hill, if he's ever asked to go up that hill, and he gets shot, If he can keep going up the hill, he has to keep going up the hill. Again, in the normal world, no. You you get in an ambulance and you get the hell out of there. But we're not in a normal world. We're in the world of in the battlefield. This battlefield is in the ring. So you have an obligation to adhere to, a behavior to live up to to find the way. Now, there are sometimes that it's too extreme. I'm with you. But who's to say? But you have to have the attitude. You're supposed to have that. I'm going to go to I can't go. That's, That's what we want. And that's what we think is part of the deal. And what fighters are taught is part of the deal. I mean, it's been shown through the history of the sport. Colin Basilio with the great Sugar Ray Robinson. He looked like the Cyclops. Couldn't save, Gone. 15 rounds with maybe the greatest fighter in the history of the world. But he kept going. Because that's what people expect. That's what he signed up for. That's what made him a champion. Now, so that, I say that. But there are administrators in this sport that, have to make decisions to keep it a sport, to keep it an honest sport, as safe as possible. It's a dangerous sport to begin with anyway. Can't get around that. It's inherent in the sport. But to make it as safe as possible in a way, in the realm that that it's responsible to do that. And they have to be competent and honest. They're supposed to be, at least. You got the referee. He he is making the assumption that it's intentional. Then he goes over and he hears the fighters say, I can't see. And he has some say that he wants to fight stop. And even Bomac, his trainer, terrific trainer that has Crawford. He even, you can hear him saying, you're going to
0: lose your title. You can hear him. That to me was the most shocking of all of all of it is Bomac is telling him like, what are you doing? You're going to lose. He doesn't want him to do that.
1: And so he's telling him, you're going to yep. lose your title. And then... You got the referee verifying it. And then and then all of a sudden, when it's when he says, No, I don't I don't, you know, I don't want to fight, and that's it. It's done. They don't talk him out of it, basically. Now he goes over to the commissioner and it was like a three-ring circus. It really wasn't. Nobody's looking at that, only I us. That's the only place you're gonna get it. But that's put, because we're gonna put a freaking light on all of it. All of it. Nobody escapes, Ken. If they deserve a light on them, put a light on them. They get paid; the commissions get paid, taxpayer money. Put a light on them. Make sure they're doing the right job, an honest job, a competent job. They didn't know what the frick. They it was like, "What's my line? What's your line? Huh? What's my line? Who are you?" Why, uh, they didn't even know. The commissioner was like, um, "We go to we we'll go to the scorecards, and the, and the referees told them no." He can't go to scorecards. He he uh, he he should lose the fight. He just gave up. He just stopped. He said he couldn't fight, so he loses. He loses the title. No, um, okay, no, not okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, we go to scorecards. No, nope, we won't go. And, and they're all over the place. I mean, it went on. It, it seemed like it went on for like a mini series. I thought I wasn't watching boxing no more. I I thought I was watching like you know like what are these freaking um w- w- what do you call it? reality show yeah i mean i didn't know what i was watching after a while I, but i didn't think i was watching boxing i, I was watching confusion I, I i was i mean it was like watching a you know it was just it was nothing but back and forth nobody knowing. Check with this guy. Well, go ask him. Well, what do you think he said? I don't know. Hey, Charlie, what do you think we should (laughs) do over here? And, I mean, it's not what you expect or you want to see in such a serious sport. The administrators were terrible. They were horrible. They were a joke. I'll say it again. I know people get mad when they hear this. They're a joke. Say it again. Is that clear enough for you? Guys out there, a joke. And we're paying tax money for these people. And that's the best they can do. And then there's the worst part. The part about corruption. Yeah, I said it. i say it again. Corruption. Where it's almost like the only thing they want to do was they realize, wait, we got to get the right guy. Because it still came down to the power. The guy with the power. The guy with the promoter was going to get treated the way he needed to get treated. Because at the end of the day, I know I'm looking at it in a very cynical way, but guess what? This sport makes you cynical. Yeah, I got news for you. It, it makes you cynical because cynical is the truth sometimes in this sport and in life and other things too, but we're talking about this right now. All of a sudden, I knew what was going to happen. All of a sudden, the, the commissioner, you know, who 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 looked like, you know, he didn't know what was going on, you know, all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, he says, uh, No, we gotta go and disqualify. Oh, you, in other words, you gotta do whatever. You gotta change five different things you said already, maybe six, maybe seven. Now you gotta go right back and change all of them to what you really intended to do, what you really need to do. Make sure the guy with the promoter gets out of here with his title. So at the end of the day, you went through all this stuff. All these things. And you say, um, he's going to be disqualified. It's ridiculous. Because it gets you to where you want to be. That's, if I'm right, that's corruption. Again, this sport's corrupt. I know it's the greatest sport in the world for me. I put over 45 years into it. It's the greatest sport in the world. But the fighters and the sport and inside the ring, what happened, that's great. That's great. And sometimes it's beyond great. To, because life can sometimes be a little unfair. It can. And sometimes you don't get a fair chance. And sometimes, you know, you just get brought up in the wrong circumstances. A kid, a child gets born into terrible circumstances. And it, it's 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 terrible. It's like that poor kid, that MMA wrestler who got executed. Uh in uh the iranian kid what's his name navid life's not fair ken in that way that kid is a good kid that kid was a world champion wrestler that kid faces things that the average person never faces faces his own inhibitions his own fears his own doubts his own physical limitations gets in the ring with another man puts it online and because he did a because he took part in a peaceful demonstration against some of the practices in his country. He was executed a few a few days ago just for doing that. And that's not fair. And what I'm saying about the sport, when it's done right, the premise of the sport that makes it so special to me, Ken, is that when life's not fair, when maybe you were born in the wrong place, when maybe, maybe you... You don't have the right parents. Maybe you have temple, everything, so many things. You don't have food to eat to be what you are. But one thing about the sport, you get to a place in your life where if you're determined enough, if you train well enough, if you train hard enough, smart enough, it fits in your heart inside you to be able to be the best and your dream is large enough to go along with that spirit. On one given night, you can get in the ring and for 36 minutes, Ken, you can make life fair. At the end of the day, with all those things, you can erase them all and you can get your hand raised and be called champion, the best in the world. You can be called world champion. That's what's special about this sport. You can erase all the eradications of, of, of things in the world, all, all the way the life has treated you unfairly, poorly, has pissed on you maybe. But on one given night, if you're up to the challenge, you can get in there and you can be the best. You can make everything right, even the playing for one night. That's, that's a great sport, and people chase that. But what's not great is the corruption that's inherent in the sport with the so-called administrators, the so-called caretakers of this sport. What the fighters do is noble. What the sport reflects and what it represents is noble, is beyond noble. It's promising, it's hope. The greatest word in the world, word in the world, hope. That's what the sport is, hope. But that hope is splattered all over the place when these people come in with their agendas because they wanna make money and they wanna be on the side of somebody who has the power and they wanna be able to take care of their own mission instead of the mission that it's supposed to be, to make sure the sport is put forward the right way and I see it all the time and I'm sick of it it makes me want to puke and you could see you can see some of that again that at the end of the day this freaking commission and everybody else they, they were over oh, well, and what do they come up with they come up with oh but we'll DQ the guy so the, so the guy that we need to win will win We'll DQ the guy well why didn't you DQ him five rounds ago four rounds ago if you're gonna DQ him, nobody asked that question. There's nobody to defend these fighters. That's exactly what I was thinking. There's nobody to defend these fighters. There's no there's no lawyer that all of a sudden pops out of a back room and says, wait, hold on. That, that, that doesn't exist in this sport. Does you don't get all of a sudden get legal counseling? This poor kid, he all of a sudden he's got no he, he could have won a world title. I, I know it's not the way you want to win a world title, but he was coming on. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he breaks down Herring. What is Herring? Herring is a guy who's a good counterpuncher, a good boxer. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's technically good, but he's not physically strong. He likes to box on the outside. It wasn't a great fight. There was a lot of tying up. Herring had dropped him. Herring was controlling the outside, but then he was clinching a lot because he didn't really want to engage too much because it wasn't smart for him because that's not his bag. The other guy was physically stronger. Herring's not physically strong. He reminds me of some ways of Howard Davis Jr., who, of course, was special in a different way. He he was part of that great Olympic team uh, in 1976. I think the greatest Olympic team of all time, Howard Davis Jr. And he was a good pro, but he never won a world title. Or even Mark Breland, Great amateur. Gold medalist Olympian too. Matter of fact, he was iconic in New York. He's a legend in New York. Winning five, six gold gloves. And he won a world title. But his downfall was he wasn't physically strong. Jamel's not physically strong. And maybe he gets worn down. Because that's what this guy was trying to do. But that opportunity got stolen from him. Stolen from him. And again... At the end of the day, if you just understand the sport for what it is, for the dark spots of it, you knew what was going to happen. You knew at the end, uh, oh, uh, gee, it, it just hit me. The, oh, we got a DQ. Yeah, where'd you come up with that one, you moron? Well, how long did that take you? To, where'd you come up? And, and again, you didn't do it when it happened. That's when you DQ
0: not later on the one thing that would have made this much more controversial is if after the headbutt, that akendo started winning all the rounds because by all the scorecards i think i think that jamel was up uh, eight rounds to zero but yeah, hi- he was but hypothetically but what if Akendo was coming on the guy was coming on a little bit his his whole idea was... but what if akendo was beating him up the whole time and then jamel said i can't go anymore and the kid was actually winning and all he had to do was cruise to the last three rounds for evict for the world title then you would have a bigger problem
1: listen this happened in eighth right eighth round yeah nine ten eleven so you had four more rounds a lot can happen kid a lot for sure can happen you're not supposed to steal that you're not supposed to steal that away from a guy but Mm -hmm. having said all this and talking about the, the respect I have for Jamil, I understand. I understand. Matter of fact, I think he's having second. I, I think that he's probably having second thoughts on
0: how he handled that. I think he is. I think he is. Oh, I think you could see that in the post-fight interview. He was very disappointed in himself. I, I think. think he is. Because this is a good man. This is a substantial man. Very. This is a
1: man who thinks of other people before he thinks of himself. You don't join the Marines
0: mm-hmm.
1: unless you're of that kind of makeup that you're thinking of others before yourself. So this is this is. A, I wish we had more Jamel Herring's. Put it that way, in this world, but in this in this particular case, I just felt I I needed to point all that out and. I'm going to point out, I think with it, I'm going to point out tangible evidence for both sides, where guys have felt that they need to win a title a certain way or to keep a title or to behave that way. Genero Hernandez, and Rob will get this up, Janeiro Hernandez was a world champion, this is back I guess in the eighties. And for full disclosure, here's a friend of mine. And and he was taken too young. He got cancer and he passed away. And I wish he was still here. Because again, just like Jamel Janeiro Hernandez was a special person. He made this world better. But he was a world champion. And he stepped up. He had been a. I believe a featherweight champion, he stepped up to junior lightweight and he was fighting the great Azuma Nelson, Ken. And he's fighting him for the world title. And he has to box on the outside and keep Azuma Nelson from coming in. And he's winning the fight. But then Azuma starts coming on. And around the seventh round, I think Hernandez had won the first five. And then around the s- seven, sixth and seventh, Azuma started coming. You knew he was going to come. He was going to make a run. And he started coming at him, And then the bell rings. It's on network television. I believe the end the seventh, either the seventh or the eighth. I believe it was the seventh. Maybe, it doesn't matter. The bell rings and Azuma catches and throws and lands a punch after the bell. And it knocks down Gennaro. Matter of fact, it hits him in the throat. It really has impact on him and does a lot of damage and drops him. Gennaro can't continue. Now, the referee, everybody, the commissioner, I think Suleiman was even there, the, the head of the WBC. But everybody agrees on national television. Maybe they agree because everybody was looking. But they agree that it should be a disqualification. Azuma Nelson, who's a tremendous fighter, is going to be disqualified. And Janelle Hernandez is going to win this title and be the champion. So he's sitting down on the canvas. They're giving him five minutes to recover because it's his choice. You could either take the title right now because you got hit with this illegal punch or take five minutes and you can fight again. But everybody's telling him, just, you really got hurt. Just get the title You know, and do not continue in this fight. What does Gennaro say? Everything I'm talking about here, everything this episode's about right now, about understanding the commitment he made when he said, I'm going to be a fighter. To understand that, that silent oath that a fighter makes, I will behave like a fighter anytime I'm inside that ring. I will find a way to overcome whatever it is that's thrown my way. I am a fighter. So what did he do? He said, no, no, no. You can see him arguing with his trainer, by the way, was his brother. You could see him say, no, no. Get me up. He got up and he continued to fight. He continued to fight and he won it. He won it the way that he wanted to win it as a champion, as a fighter in the ring. He found the way. He did not betray that code. And I'm just saying, there's been fighters that have done that, that they understand, win or lose, that you you are not the average guy. You're a fighter. You have an obligation to overcome things that other people don't have an obligation to. Even things that look scary to the outside, that look dangerous. You're in a dangerous sport, baby. Yeah! How about Muhammad Ali in his first fight with Ken Norton? He got his jaw broken in the second round. He fought the whole fight. The whole fight with a broken jaw. I remember Cus told me when Floyd Patterson was fighting the great RG Moore for the world title, he broke his hand before the fight. But he fought. You know why? Because like Cus said, he said, we were going to have plenty of time to heal the hand later, but we might never get another chance to win the world title. So that's what you do. I remember Mark Leland, his trainer, the great Joe Ferriello, my friend, great trainer. He had him fighting uh, Harold Volbrick, if my memory is right, South African world champion, Southpaw. He, was, he had Mark Leland fighting him. He broke his hand in camp. What did he do? Hey, we might never get this opportunity and this fight where, where we have such a good chance to win a world title. You're fighting. You're behaving like a fighter. You're fighting. And he did, and he won the world title. And everything that comes with that so and, but i always want to be fair there's another side to the story people will say but you can be smart too i'm not saying to be a champion you gotta be smart not just tough and maybe it was smart of him doing that there was a fight in the 80s rob again it was johnny bumpers who was a tremendous tremendous amateur he won the junior welterweight world title with my friend, my buddy, Lou Duva, who I wish he was still with us. But it's on network television. And is I think it was the junior welterweight champ still. But he was deteriorating. He was at the end of his career. He had a lot of amateur fights, probably about 400. And he was starting to he was starting to get less of himself. And he's fighting. I can't remember who he's fighting. What are you going to come up with it for me? But he's it's on network television and the network was experimenting with I think he was fighting Marlon Starling Johnny Bumpers was yeah I, I don't was it Starling I mean Starling went on to be I believe. Starling so. went on to be a welterweight champ of the world from Connecticut and Starling uh, was was a was a good fighter he was a good fighter so yeah so you have here you have Johnny Bumpers. And the network was experimenting with open scoring. They decided to do it on, the, on that show, where the whole arena could see who was winning or losing in a fight. Never done before. Lou Duva, being the brilliant corner man, being Lou Duva, baby, he took advantage of that. So here they are, they get cut. They got the best cut man in the world, also a friend of mine, God bless him, Ace Marauder. Oh, my God, that guy, what a, forget about it. What, what a what a cut man he was so you got you got everything you need he gets cut the fight's going on and lou looks at the scorecard he knows the rules once you go past four rounds if it's if the referee says that it was an accidental headbutt that caused the cut once you go past four rounds it goes to the scorecards. So the referee had said, yeah, it was an accidental headbutt. I forget what round we were in, but it was past the fourth. So Lutu was aware of all that. And he looks at the scorecard, and he sees sees two things. He sees that they're up, but he sees that their lead is starting to evaporate. That Starling's coming on. He sees the storm clouds, and he ain't going to wait until they open up. He's going to do something. So, what does Lou do? He sees it. He sees that his fight is fading. He sees he's up for the moment. He tells the great Ace Murata, the best cut man in the business, you can hear him. You can hear him on his microphone. Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't close it. Don't fix it. Leave it alone. <laughs> Referee comes over. What's going on here? He goes, Can't stop the cut. Can't stop it, Lou? No, I can't stop. All right, we're going to have to stop and go to the scorecards. Blue Duva does his job. (laughs) He steals a win for his fighter. He protects his fighter. Smart. So here I am. I want to show both sides. I want to be fair. I want to be fair. And that's what he did. The fighter didn't do it, though. Yeah. The corner man made that decision. So what I'm saying is that you can look at it. Both ways, but at the end of the day, the history of the sport, the tradition of the sport. I know we have to look out for the lives of the people in it. Nobody's going to tell me that, but they on they know the inherent danger, and they also know the oath. They also understand the inherent danger, but also the inherent attitude of a fighter has to be I will persevere I will find a way that's what people expect from their champions and so I think we covered all elements of it and at the end of the day i I think he made a mistake I understand everything but I think he made a mistake I think he's sorry he made that decision if he could he he, he could roll back time, he would, and go right back in there and, and finish the fight the way that a fighter is meant to finish a fight. But uh, that's what's happened. You know, no different than the great Roberto Duran. The great Roberto Duran would go back in a time capsule in two seconds and go right back into that ring if he, if he understood what the repercussions were going to be, at that moment of frustration, that moment of where he thought he could say those, those words that he wishes he never said, no, Mas, would we'll go back and, 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 and finish that fight out, even if he lost it, but finish that fight out rather than do that. But at the moment he, he made that decision, it was done. But And I think that Herring probably feels the same way. I'm not speaking for him. I'm just guessing. No one knows business. No one what a fighter feels. And I know that he probably thinking about that. But um, at the end of the day, the thing that I, I hated the most was the administrators, these guys that don't take a risk, that they go in there and they make a decision that's based purely on what I think as I use the word, I'll use it again, corruption, on what I think should never be, never be part of this great sport, on favoring somebody who's with the power. It always happens. And I, and I want to finish with one question to you, Mr. Rideout. One question to you before you get a haircut. <laughs> I want to ask you, seriously, if the roles were reversed, and and a Kendall was the guy that wound up uh, on the wrong end of it, uh, that he had a cut, and that uh, you know that that he that he decided couldn't go on against the champion Herring. The same thing, same thing, but just reverse what happened. That it's a Kendall now that's in that position. That it's Akendo who is cut, who got the worst of the head clash. Is there any way on earth, knowing who's the champion, knowing who's with the promoter, that Akendo, the underdog, the guy who's not there to really win? Is there any chance that he gets the benefit of that call?
0: Seriously. It's a fair question they would have never they would have never ruled the headbutt intentional in the first place so it wouldn't have mattered They would have but gone no, to no it does cards. matter what
1: you just said is everything is exhibit one in this courtroom It's exhibit one of what i'm talking about they would never have done that they wouldn't have treated him the same as they treated the other guy they wouldn't have came up with with that alibi to get out they gave him an alibi they gave him what they needed to give him. They wouldn't have gave that to a Kendall. You're right. You're 100% right. They never would have said, oh, it was intentional. They would have said, oh, you know, it's just a headbutt, button, and uh, if you can't continue, you lose.
0: That's what they would have said, Ken. Yeah. Of course. I was shocked, like you said earlier. How does he know it was intentional? I watched it a hundred times. You can't say that he was intentionally trying to butt him. He was being, he was fighting on the inside and being rough, and yeah, he was leading with his head. But I mean, we've all seen intentional headbutts, and that didn't look like an intentional headbutt to me. That's his style.
1: Yeah. Then that he's intensely trying to headbutt people from the t- from the time. He- <laughs> it's sparring in a ring, that that's always trying to do that. That's all he's trying to do is intentionally heavy because he does that all the time. He gets up in the morning. I guess he's trying to headbutt his kids because he probably goes like this when he comes when he uh, when he gets up in the morning. He's probably a little top heavy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we've covered that all. I, I wish nothing but the best for Jamel Herring. I hope he gets the Kyle Frampton fight and gets a win. But um, like you said, I'm sure he's has uh, I'm sure he regrets making the decisions he made. But who knows? Um, one last thing before we before we sign off, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know you watched the recent UFC card and the main event of Michelle Waterson and Angela Hill. Awesome fight, split decision win for uh. Michelle, the karate, Hardy Watterson. Uh, I know you have some thoughts on that. What'd you see? Well, I saw everything that you want to see
1: in a championship fight. Women or men, it doesn't matter. Matter of fact, I was watching the boxing that was on that night and I left. I left to watch this. And you know what? I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I, I, and I'm a boxing lifer. And I left the boxing to go to the UFC women's fight. And I'll just say that it was five five-minute rounds of smart aggression. That's what I saw. Well-placed, educated kicks and punches, heart determination, back and forth. In the end, all class from both women, nothing but class, nothing but full commitment, preparation. They knew what they were doing. They were tough, they were smart. Like I said, it, was, it wasn't just throwing punches, it was throwing educated punches. It wasn't just aggression, it was smart aggression. I have two things to say about it. Bravo, bravo. It was terrific. Um, I, also, I always talk about on, when I was broadcasting the fights, ringside, I would talk about the punches need to be concise. They need, you got to go, sometimes they say, this guy's got to go to the butcher and get the fat cut off. Some of those, he's got a little too much fat. Go to the butcher. Cut off some of that fat from the punches. The punches should be short, straight, concise, the way they're supposed to be. Well, I never thought I'd be saying it about kicks. Their kicks were straight, (laughs) concise. There was no fat on them. It was really nice to watch. It really was because I can appreciate any fighting. I I watch guys in the street. Move your head. (laughs) Come on. Move your your head. All right, don't let them grab you. Take a step back. Throw that uppercut. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I can appreciate any fighting, Ken, And I really appreciated watching these women because of the things I just said. They knew what they were doing. They trained to do those things. And they executed them in the toughest place in the world, inside that square circle of truth, that, that, uh, that chamber of truth. In this case, that cage of truth. And they did it the right way. They did it with expertise with heart, determination. Uh, it was, there were ebbs and flows in a fight. I still, I'm going to finish it by saying, I still like to see a draw. <laughs> and I'm not the guy to call for draws. But that fight was so close. I I, I was like, are we? am I finally going to get a draw? <laughs> am I finally going to see a draw in UFC? I've never seen one. Um, but, it was that close. It was that competitive. Uh, they both did themselves proud. They did uh, They did the sport proud. You know, I was almost going to say they did women's uh, fighting proud. But I'm not going to, I'm going to take that back. I'm just going to say they did any fighters proud. I agree. Because they, they behaved like fighters and they fought like trained professionals. That know what the heck they're doing, and are together enough mentally to do it in the most difficult place in the world, inside that ring, with all that pressure, all that fear, all those inhibitions that can attack you like ninjas over a wall. But there's nowhere to, like Joe Lewis would say, there's nowhere to hide. So, I was, I was, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it and I thought I made the right decision to hop from, uh, from the boxing
0: yeah i agree hey um before i let you go i see you got your dynamic striking shirt on there and when you were just describing the street fights and uh watching any kind of can you see it can you see it baby yep can you see it baby yeah so i just wanted to point out to people whether you're gonna get in the ring or get in a street fight if you want to learn a few fundamentals about the sweet science check them out at dynamicstriking.com. teddy's got a whole boxing tutorial series up there that you can get on the cheap very inexpensive for what you're getting So if you want to learn some basic punching and boxing footwork, etc., check them out at dynamicstriking.com and search the uh, boxing videos by Teddy Atlas. And uh, Teddy will also record a personalized message for you on Cameo if you are so inclined and would like a message from the legendary trainer and broadcaster, Teddy Atlas. Check them out at cameo.com. Teddy, I think we hit everything. You got anything else? Just, um, can I get a trim? (laughs) <laughs>
1: can i get your man to to buzz me a little bit touch me up clean me up a little bit i never look as good as you
0: i thought you were just gonna say just win baby with the uh nfl back in action and raiders get Just a win. win baby
1: the oakland Ra oh oakland las vegas raiders i'm sorry the vegas raiders my raiders s- win my son's
0: team everything's everything's right with the world today Patriots win. Tom Brady jumps ship. He's on the losing side of the first one. Not surprised.
1: Two interceptions and one was a pick six with with your guy. Is it over? I'm being serious now. Is it over for Brady? He's 42 years old.
0: It looks like it's over to me. Cam Newton had a hell of a game running all over the place yeah, he's a big strong guy too and he 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 can throw but he can run too yeah and he's not afraid that's to wear something Brady a... couldn't do and cam newton's not afraid to wear a very spicy suit and hat combination no no he's not <laughs> that's
1: that's for sure he he's not afraid to do that he will uh he, he will speak with his fashion statement that's for sure i i like to see you in that outfit ken
0: i would I would like to. I'm not. I don't know about the loud colors. I do love a good hat, but uh, some of his suits might be a little too spicy for me. Yeah. Well, listen, this was a long one, but let's see how the next few weeks of the NFL play out, and then we'll do a full uh, NFL breakdown once we've had some more evidence and see where everyone stands.
1: Hey, listen, Oakland Raiders, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm sorry, I got to get used to that. Uh, their offense looked real good, their defense has to pick up a little bit. Uh, I think Gruden and Mayock and my son and everybody there is doing a real good job. Uh, They're committed to it. But uh, one thing I'll say, even with the good and the bad, they found a way to win, baby. (laughs) Because at the end, they had to make a play. Yeah, their defense uh, has to get better. Yeah. But my son pointed this out to me right away when I forgot that – that's not my realm. My realm is this place. And my son quickly moved me back. Quickly moved me back. He said, I love you, Dad. But, you know, that's his place. He said, but at the end, we did make a play we had to make. He said, that's why we won. That's right. He said, you know what? You're right. Just win, baby. What do you think, Patriots, Raiders, Super Bowl? Um well I I can't talk for the Patriots, for the for the for the patriots but <laughs> us yeah
0: I I like to sound <laughs> <laughs> All right, Teddy. Well, listen, thanks for doing this. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like it, please leave us a review. Share the links. A review on iTunes is the best thing you can give us, I think. Uh, And please support the sponsors. Once again, uh, dynamicstriking.com, cameo.com. And check out the guys at mybookie.ag to get all your betting action in for the NFL. Teddy, thanks for doing this, and I will uh, be in touch. Take care.